and it was just so real and so and I looked so like confident and I was just like man like I want to be that girl like I want to get there and I want to you know work on that self-confidence and my speaking and my voice and standing in my power and all of that. You'll hear from women, leaders, and mothers who are holding hands as we move through life's greatest transitions. Join us for The Rising. Today's episode is with Raven Reed. She is a speech and language pathologist, and she works right now with elementary students. She's also a breathwork facilitator, and she loves to share mindfulness with children and adults alike. So she loves yoga, being in nature, traveling. She's a certified yoga instructor as well with training for autism and special needs. So she does do a lot. Um, In this specific interview, we actually picked up right out of a 30-minute private breathwork session that I did with her. So you're going to hear that my speech is a little slower in the beginning. I'm kind of phasing back. And I'm going to give you my honest thoughts on breathwork. It was my very first time at such an advanced breathwork session. She's incredible. You have to hear about this. I am so excited. Tune in. I can. How was it? <laughs> I can barely use my fingers. <laughs> I was trying to click the zoom. Yeah. Okay, this is working a little bit. <laughs> I know it is weird to like yeah look at your phone and like touch things like I had to drive for one of my friends one time after a breathwork session because she couldn't drive (laughs) yeah I feel like that's a good it's a good disclaimer it's like yeah give yourself the time to fade back yeah yeah like like nothing else right (laughs) yeah that was a little wild How, how did you feel I think I felt, um, all right, I'm going to give you, like, my, (laughs) my only comparisons are, Uh that felt, like, very similar to labor. Oh, wow, yeah, okay. Um, And very similar to, like, the peak of an orgasm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true, wow, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, that was, I mean, I'm going to tell you the truth is I didn't think it was going to be that hard or that good. (laughs) Yay. Well, I'm glad that you had that low expectation. And then (laughs) I think that for me too, like doing, I feel like I'm even talking slow, Um, (laughs) doing things virtually. I, I guess I thought like there would be a disconnect in my mind because, but yeah, I feel like if you were actually here, then I'd probably actually be levitating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know, and it's that's the thing. It's like it's not really even about me. It's about you know you and you experiencing that and realizing that you have that tool within you, and it is how far you want to take it and mm-hmm. how deep you want to go into it. And one of my girlfriends said the same thing. She was like, you know, I've done breath work in person, and I was just really like skeptical about how it would be on zoom and everything but she was like it you know there's the pros and the cons but she's like the benefit is like you're in your home you can be in your bed Mm -hmm. 
you can kind of like not be around anybody. And sometimes it is very vulnerable to be in a class where, you know, there's um, other people there and you're screaming, you're crying and all of that. And so you can't just be, you know, more private. Yeah. I let out a really good cry. Oh, good. Yeah. It's, it's helpful too. And this is, I think what reminded me of labor is that at certain points I did like my mind would tell myself like, okay, you should probably calm down because you're going to pass out. That's what it felt like. But Mm -hmm. then to hear you reminding me to breathe and to hear you breathing, Mm -hmm. I had like the flashback to the labor nurse that was like in my face saying like, you do what I do and you, and that Mm -hmm. like what you need. So Mm -hmm. I just, I definitely also see huge benefit with breath work of having somebody walk you through it. I would, I would have done 20 seconds by myself. Exactly. Yeah. I always recommend to people, you know, definitely do it with somebody who's been trained, you know, someone that can guide you because it does sound almost silly. Like, what do you mean I have to go to a class or I have to be with somebody to breathe and I can just do that at home. Like, tell me what to do and I'll, just go home and do it. I'm like, you know, it's really important to have somebody there watching you. It can be very intense. There are those physiological things that happen in your body. And, you know, you do feel a little bit more safe when you have somebody guiding you and kind of, you know, reminding you it's okay. And, you know, it's just like working out by yourself. Like sometimes it's like, oh, it's like so hard. Like I don't want to do this. I'll probably do like 10 minutes. But if I have a trainer there, I'm like, whoo, I'll get in like an hour, you know, really intensely if I have somebody pushing me. Well, that too. I think if, my husband were leading me through the breath work I would have sat up and been like no I'm done I did um, this is yeah <laughs> yeah because yeah, I- especially that first 10 minutes right it's just like what am I doing like our minds get into that space where it just is that monkey chatter and it's like when you start to step back and see that you know and you focus on the breath you do start looking at all those thoughts like wow like you know I, yeah I was really mad at you to be honest <laughs> <laughs> you were. I was I was just like, keep I, going. I know. I'm like, I don't think this is right. But then you're telling me like, it's going to feel like it's not right. I'm like, what do you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love the honesty. That's so great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly, so for how much like meditation I teach, I am so rarely actually letting someone guide me through an entire meditation too. And I, I mean, I think I forget the benefit of it or like how you said, you know, take your time getting up. I'll say that at the end of a yoga class, even at like the end of Shavasana and sometimes people take a really long time. I'm like, wow, they're really taking their time. But just now I, I felt like I physically couldn't. Yeah. I was like, hold on, let me take off, you know, the, cover from my eyes let me let a little light in where Mm -hmm. am I come back in my body because I just went to outer space (laughs) that's how I feel like I just went to another planet or something Uh (laughs) but thank you that was so good yeah you're welcome I'm glad you had a good first experience I already well I didn't have any thoughts like you're right I had lots of thoughts in the beginning um and when I was feeling like, okay, this is really hard, I was thinking, okay, definitely booking this for Drew. Yay, that would be so awesome. Yeah, it's really great for guys too. I mean, I feel like 
Mark loves it. And it is a way for them to get out of that prefrontal cortex mind. And then you step into the subconscious and it just, you know, you can finally tap into those emotions and things that you've stored away and things that, you know, aren't as acceptable in our society to feel and to express. And it, it really is so beautiful. Like I remember the first time I did it was about a year and a half ago, actually with Mark and Joe oh. um, in LA. And I was like, I don't know what breathwork is. Like I did yoga um, a lot and I'm in pranayama, you know, but this was just like a whole other experience. It was like, yeah, like 30 minutes of breathing. Mm-hmm. And I like went to another place, like a, my whole background of I like had a visual, like the whole background was pink with a sunset. I was like wearing this like white flowy, beautiful dress. And I was like standing really tall and I I looked so confident and I struggle with confidence a lot. Like I like have a really hard time speaking in front of people. So this whole thing is just like testing me and like pushing me um, and helping me grow. But I remember I was taking my yoga training at the time and it was on the Mission Bay in San Diego and people were laying down in their yoga mats. And I remember thinking at the time, like, wow, I had a vision that I was a yoga teacher and like, it was so beautiful and I was so confident. And, you know, like people were, were there were so many people there. And, you know, it's just like, maybe I'm like manifesting this, you know? And now I look back and I'm like, I never really, resi- like, I never really like thought I was going to be a yoga teacher, you know? And I look back and I'm like, maybe I was teaching breath work you know, and like, they weren't doing the yoga poses when I, in my vision, now that I look back, like they were laying down and what I thought was Shavasana. <laughs> right. But I was like, oh, maybe they were breathing. Like maybe that was what I was picturing that first time I did breath work. And it was just so real. And so, and I looked so like confident. I was just like, man, like, I want to be that girl. Like I want to get there and I want to, you know, work on that self-confidence and my speaking and my voice and standing in my power and all of that. Yeah, that's amazing. It's, yeah. I mean, you've, you've probably heard other people say this, but it's, it's so interesting when people say that they are struggling with that confidence or the speaking piece, because, so you and I met when was, I was pregnant, right? Over yeah, the summer. Yeah. And the first thing, like when Drew and I got in the car and left, we we're like, we love her. She is so easy Aww. to talk to. And like, it's, it is that like, I feel like people that feel like they're not confident are sometimes just the most genuine, which just, I mean, that's what, you know, people want. So. Yeah. That's what my breathwork teacher kept telling me. He's like, use that vulnerability and use it as your strength, you know, and the more vulnerable you are and the more like you're going to mess up, you know, and the more vulnerable you are, like people are going to love that and people are Mm going to resonate with that. So I've just been like reminding myself that like, it's okay to, okay to like tell a little story about what I'm going through in the beginning, you know, and hopefully people will also reciprocate and be vulnerable back. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I was, as I was going through it too, even just like the shapes my body was making, I was like, I know I saw you moving. I was like, just do it. You know, whatever your body's got to do. I love it. Like just, you know, let it be. Yeah. And that's why I was thinking like, okay, I'm glad you gave me permission to not show my face. Cause I don't even know what my yeah. face is doing right now. Yeah. Like, and yeah. And I like to like tell everybody, like, I'm not looking at you crying. Like I'm just looking yeah. at your belly. And even that I'm like focusing on what I'm going to say, like, I'm not like really judging you or anything like that. And, yeah. Well, yeah. that's an interesting thing when you're teaching too, is 
that I think a lot of students, whether it is breath work or yoga, um, or even like children in the classroom, they, you know, you feel like the teacher is really looking at you, but really, I mean, I think teaching and maybe the breath work with you too, you're talking me through the breath. You're actually focusing on your own breath. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, exactly. Peace rather than the teaching. Mm-hmm. Almost. Yeah. And I'm like, do they have anything like that in Connecticut? You know, like a breathwork class or something like that. Not that I know of. Yeah. Um, and you said, okay, hold on. You said a couple things in the beginning and I knew I was going to forget them because <laughs> these are so good, but I know it's like just the beginning. Oh, okay. Um, the breath is like the only system in the body that something or something like Mm -hmm. that yeah so the breath is the only system in the body that is automatic and also under our control which is like so awesome I mean our blood is going through we can't really control that right but like we're breathing all the time we're breathing in our sleep and we're not thinking about it it's just automatic and it just happens but yeah I mean it's so cool that we can actually give our breath a pattern and, and that's what I say when I'm saying conscious breathing so breath work is like breath awareness and conscious breathing put together. So breath awareness is being aware of our breath and just, um, just focusing on it and, you know, kind of like mindfulness and meditation, you're kind of being aware of that breath. And then conscious breathing is giving our breath a pattern. And that's that three-part breath. And I've done the three-part breath before, but really really simply I've done it as the inhale I noticed after doing so much yoga and using that ujjayi nostril breath Mm. my inclination was that I I kept switching back to my nose Mm -hmm. and I would hear you and then oh right you know and then I (laughs) using my mouth yeah um yeah it is very different yeah I talk a lot of women when um we're talking about labor breathing too and using that breath as a tool is that you're not going to go into labor and have these intense contractions and be able to like search your mind for how to breathe. Your body's mm-hmm. just going to switch into it's over, yeah. Right? It's like whatever its training yeah. is. And mm-hmm. so I definitely see that happening where yeah. my body was just like, well, this is how you breathe normally. Mm-hmm. So yeah. When it gets intense, you just Exactly. Um, yeah. And this three part breath, the pattern actually helps activate your nervous system. So mm-hmm. it's specifically your vagus nerve. So there's two different states, sympathetic system, which is your fight or flight, mm-hmm. you know, all this, and then parasympathetic, which is your rest and digest. Yeah. And this technique activates the vagus nerve, which is a part of your parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest. So that's why it can make us feel all these juicy feelings. Mm-hmm. And the vagus nerve connects to the amygdala, which houses our emotions, and this technique um, has shown to rewire our brain pretty much. And so, yeah, the beautiful thing about the breath is that it is automatic and it's also under our control. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's we awful. use our breath to tap into that nervous system and that vagus nerve. It just feels so good. Like, why are we not doing this all the time? Why did I not know about this years ago? I was thinking, what if I started my day doing this? I feel like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to give a recommendation at the end of the class to, you know, I send my playlists usually to whoever was in the class and I say, you know, pick a song that you really liked or maybe a song that you resonated with that has a beat or even one of your own favorite songs, you know, and just breathe like that, that pattern 
of breathing to that song. So, you know, like three, four minutes and you'll start to get that, that feeling, you know, obviously not the whole 20, 30 minute intense transformation, but, um, you know, doing that before bed or doing that when you wake up and just incorporating that into your daily practice can be, yeah, really awesome. When there, I loved the music. I liked oh, that tempo to breathe with. And when the song came on with the lyrics, um, that's when I felt like very emotional because I just always feel emotional when I listen to yeah. music anyway. But <laughs> I was thinking, and I didn't know that song. It was gorgeous. But I was thinking if this were a song that I were really emotionally connected to, I'd probably be losing my mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, like, exactly. So you're like, that's, that's the next level. When you really want to go there, you ask mm-hmm. people, like, what's yeah. what gets home for you? <laughs> yeah, I know. Exactly. Yeah. If you do like private sessions and you ask people, you know, their Spotify or, you know, what songs do they really love? You can like sneak that in there a little bit. And yeah. I know that's music does so much. I feel mm-hmm. for... that's why I'm like, get the headphones, like make sure the sound works, do an audio check because like, if you like, doesn't sound good, you're not going to get the full experience, especially on here. Cause you know, we're not in a studio where I have control over the speaker or whatever. It's like, you know, it really is up to the student to set the environment, you know, in their bed or on the floor and with the oils and the light and, you know, really get yourself in the mood because I think that's a big part of breath work is I'm like, ah, like on Zoom, I don't have that control to kind of like set the mood in the, in the studio and go around with the Palo Santo and the stage, you know, and I still do it at the end anyways for myself, but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking too about that, how you said at the beginning, that's important to like give yourself fully to it or to like mm-hmm. really do the work. Mm-hmm. And that is something that you have to just decide in your own space because mm-hmm. if, yeah, you're, you're not going to yell at me that <laughs> I don't see your belly moving. I know. I know. Yeah. I'm like, this isn't about me. It's about you. You know, right. you are your own healer and mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just here to guide you. I, I noticed that I'm, it's kind of like a pattern that's emerging, which I really appreciate is that there are like, and I see it mostly with yoga teachers, but we talk about being a teacher or a coach and then kind of talk about being a guide. And what do you see as the difference between that? Like the difference between showing up to teach something and showing up to guide an experience? Yeah. I mean, I do believe that, you know, you do need to heal yourself and start that practice before you start healing others. And I don't, but I also don't believe that you have to be fully healed to heal others either. You know, like I'm continuously working on myself and healing myself. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting with breath work. A lot of people call themselves facilitators. They don't really, some people don't say breath work teachers. They say facilitators, you know, I'm just guiding you. I'm just facilitating. Um, Yeah. I don't really know. I mean, I've, breathwork is still such a new um thing that I've been you know I like I don't really know any breathwork teachers here in San Diego I know like one or two and there's this one um couple they're called the healing couple and they do sold out classes at Sojourn in San Diego and but I don't really know many other breathwork teachers there's a lot in LA um 
but yeah, they, I think they call themselves breathwork teachers though. So yeah, yeah it resonates with you, I guess. I feel like whatever you call yourself as well, like, I don't know, people are always going to prefer one thing over the other and mm -hmm. it's like, just whatever works for you. <laughs> Talk to me about using breath work and of course, maybe not that intensive breath work, but with kids. So how you work with kids and what capacity and how can parents yeah. use these things at home, teachers? Yeah, so I've been teaching the high five breath. I don't know if you saw my video. I have one on YouTube, but it's, you know, your little kids can put their hand out and it's like, it's nice because it's a visual um, and it's also tactile. So you can like touch your hand and you can breathe in for five and then you pause and then you exhale for five and you just trace your hand, you know, and after you do one, you tell the kid or the student, how do you feel now? Mm -hmm. Oh, I still feel a little like, I still feel a little stressed, you know, okay, let's do it again, you know, and they can do it again. Um, but teaching the kids just breath patterns and, and breath techniques, not necessarily breath work. Mm. Uh, you know, there is the difference between that. Um, so yeah, giving them these tools when they're stressed or, you know, when they, you know, don't get a good grade at school or their parents are fighting, like, what are some things that you can do, you know, besides harming yourself? Because I know a lot of kids, I worked in a middle school my first two years. Um, as a speech therapist and so many kids were cutting themselves They're, you know I'm just like wow this is like it's probably because they don't have any tools they don't know what to do they don't have anyone to talk to they don't know how to breathe like if imagine if they got all of these tools taught to them you know maybe they could resort to those versus I want to feel something so I'm gonna hurt myself yeah, so I just feel like everything when I was in elementary school was so innocent and like your worries I mean, definitely students had their home worries that were as big as they are now, but I just, I can't, I don't know, I can't imagine. Yeah, yeah, so the students that I work with, I work at an elementary school that is about 10 minutes from TJ, Tijuana. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them, you know, are second language learners, parents work so many different jobs, their grandparents are home, parents aren't always home, parents aren't together. So, you know, it's like, I feel like it's a lot of family stuff going on, at least what I experience, um, not just like parents and the family members not having a good relationship together, but also just like the family needs, not having enough money, not having enough food, not having all the resources for medical, um, I mean, and hospital bills and all of that. It's, yeah, it's, it's pretty rough. So when I work with my kids and do speech therapy, I'm mostly thinking, all right, are all of your other needs met before I look at your speech goal? Like, how are you feeling? Are you, are you happy today? Are you able to focus? You know, are you in a good place? Because if you're not, then how are we going to work on, you know, language or the way you say your sounds? Um, we need to figure out, you know, how you're feeling and how, what else is going on? You know, the, the whole student and the whole kid as a person, not just their disorder, but yeah, the whole individual. And where do you see, if it were like just completely perfect for you, where would you like to see schools, specifically the elementary level schools heading? I mean, I think it would be awesome if they taught more life skills, you know, more mindfulness and yeah, like everything that we're talking about, breathing and mm -hmm. how to deal with your emotions. And I mean, right now, the, I mean, I really struggle with this because I love my job, but it's also like, 
I feel like it's so behind, you know, like they're still just teaching math, reading and science and, you know, algebra and how do you add one plus one and it's, where are the other skills, you know, where is, you know, how do you deal when your parents are fighting? How do you deal with when we have a pandemic, you know, things like that, like, it doesn't matter. They're not going to be able to work on their academics when all those other things are going on. Yeah. And schools would move into that. Yeah. Well, and right now with the pandemic going on and all the kids are home. So now so many districts are implementing the like homeschooling or virtual schooling programs. And I, I mean, everyone I'm talking to personally, I have no stake in any of it um, and no children in school yet, but everyone I'm talking to that has school-aged children, you know, I'm telling them this is a really good opportunity to work on those social emotional skills. So as much as you can, let all that other stuff sit because like you said, you, I think you almost inherently are learning these quote unquote academic skills while you're practicing everything else. So you are working together in the kitchen math, you know, but you're also saying please and thank you when you're handing the child Mm -hmm. an item and, um, it's just yeah, and like so... friendships, relationships, you're problem solving, right? You know, you're working on language, you're working on social skills and mm-hmm. people skills, which is very, very important in getting a job and, and all of that. And yeah, it's just, oh, I wish the curriculum would change a little bit more into, yeah, more life skills type mm-hmm. of work. Well, and it's, I mean, this is a really good example too, with everything that's going on and emotions are heightened in parents and they have the kids at home and if your kids are going to school and you have a rough day at work you can sort of figure it out before the kid comes home or you can mask it or you can deal with it later but right now everyone is like quite literally on top of each other and kids are seeing everything that's happening Mm -hmm. and I think people are also realizing within themselves the tools that they have and the Mm -hmm. tools that they don't have to feel okay in this situation. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know when you check in with people, sometimes they're way up here with, I'm losing my mind. I don't handle this. And a lot of other people say like, this is a challenge, but I've been through challenges before and I have lots of ways to handle them. Right. Yeah. I'm working with a, a mom and her daughter and the daughter has anxiety and we're working together every week. And then, so I talk to the mom and I follow up with her and I'm just like, how are you doing though? You know, like, are you taking some time for yourself? And, you know, I can do a breath work session with you. You make sure you take an hour, like whether it's breath work or yoga or something or something that, you know, you enjoy just yourself, like go and do that for yourself. And once you do that, you're going to come back to your kids so much better with so much more love and peace and joy and without all that stress because that carries on over to the kids and they absorb all of that you know they're like little sponges they take in all of that energy and yeah it really affects them Mm -hmm. what do you feel about so the difference between parents kind of working through their emotions in private or working through them in front of the child do you see any benefit to one Mm -hmm. or the other I mean, I guess if you're like, 
yelling and screaming and you're at like a, your pain body is activated, then maybe you shouldn't be doing that in front of your kid. Um, but I mean, I think there is something beautiful in, about them seeing some of it though, you know, like maybe not hiding all of it and pretending to be this perfect couple, but you know, this is what happens with relationships. We, you know, have to work things out and sometimes things are hard, but we try and we communicate and we try to use the tools we have. And I think kids seeing that can be very powerful. There's a book that I love called Brain Rules and it's about children and how their minds work and develop. And there is a part in there that talks about the importance of letting them see the resolution of conflict. Oh, so yeah. A lot of times kids do see like, okay, here was a problem. And then to them, it sort of just disappears. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of reminds me of that time heals all wounds, which I just super disagree with because mm -hmm. I feel like yeah. you can hold on to bitterness for a really, really long time if you want yeah. to or if you ignore it. Um, so the idea is that if you fight in front of children, and I think this is applicable for married couples or anyone, um, you have the conflict in front of the children, then if you have the resolution privately, you need to like role play that resolution to mm. them so that they see what an honest apology looks like and what right. an acceptance of that is and how to move forward. And, um, because right. I think that, I mean, that's a skill. I don't think that I really had, <laughs> when mm -hmm. I think back to my first relationships with a partner that you are just sort of walking through what you've been modeled and when you don't have the tools and the communication. Yeah. And I think it's this idea of like, for the kids, like mommy and daddy aren't perfect, you know, nobody's perfect. And I think a lot of us have grown up with this idea when we were younger that our parents are our heroes and they're perfect. And then you grow up and you're, you get older and you're like, wow, they're pretty messed up. Like that it, they did all these things and then it hurts them so much. And it's like, if you grow your kids up and let them know from the beginning, like we mess up, you know, we aren't perfect and we're trying and you know, not just putting on a show for them because then that's not real. That's not real or genuine. I think they can feel that. That's true. That's yeah. I was, I thought about that with, um, like doing meditation and stuff like that. You may see this with your kids at school that like my son's two and a half, but if I'm trying to get him to do it with me, no interest. But if I am just consistently doing the practice myself, he wanders over, he's curious. Mm -hmm. And I think as the kids get older, they may even make that connection like, oh, my teacher looks really happy when she sits exactly. and puts her hand on her heart and her belly and, you know, takes a deep breath and mm -hmm. kind of run off to the corner and try it themselves. And Yeah, exactly. Leading by example, you know, mm -hmm. they can feel that light and they can feel that shine through versus, you know, just lecturing them or telling them what to do. Or, you know, I think it's more powerful for us to just really work on ourselves in our own way. And then with our students, with our kids, with anybody, people are going to see that and be like, wow, why are they so happy? Why were they able to deal with that so well? And then they're going to, you know, follow along. If people are resistant to breath work, but then they start to notice like, oh, well, Raven seems very calm and collected in this whole thing. Mm -hmm. 
And then they start to feel like, okay, maybe there's something to it. Yeah. What is she up to? Yeah. What is she doing these days? Yeah. So if somebody's completely new to breath work, then what do you recommend they start with? Is that like initial 30 minute session, the best start? Should they just be tuning into their breath first? What's step one? I think it depends on what they're looking for. So if they're looking for something transformative, you know, then let's do it. Let's do the 30 minute session, you know? I think everybody should do it. Why not? You know? Um, But also if someone's looking, like I had one of my girlfriends say, ah, it's been so hard for me to sleep lately. So I recommended the four, seven, eight breath. I don't know if you've heard of this, but it's helped me a lot. Um, It's you breathe in for four and through your nose and then you hold for seven and then you exhale for eight out of the mouth. And so that feels really, really good to do before bed. Mm-hmm. Um, there's other um, types of breathing to do for energy. Like I think the breath of fire is one, mm-hmm. you know, breathing that's really fast and short usually gives you a lot of energy. So I think it just depends on what someone is looking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really do like and recommend Wim Hof. His app is free, the little um, guided breathing bubble. And that he, he does the three-part breath too, but he does holds, breath holds. Mm-hmm. And so you can do them in rounds. I usually do like three or four rounds. And me and Mark have been doing that every single morning, whether we're together or not. You know, we do it every single morning. It's been like two months now. And so it's just a really powerful way to start your day. You know, I think most people start their day and they open up the daily or they open up the news or they open up Facebook, Instagram. And it's like your morning is like the time that sets the precedent for the rest of the day. And it's like, I really try to like delete my just the app Instagram app or Facebook app like at night so when I wake up my thumb isn't like searching for it (laughs) I'm like I am not gonna go on this right in the morning like I'm gonna do my breath work first have my cup of coffee you know maybe go for a walk and now with this you know new schedule that I have it's like I have a really awesome morning routine and it just really changes my day especially the breath work Mm -hmm. like sometimes I'll wake up in the morning and I already have all my thoughts running. Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Got my to-do list. What am I going to do next week? I have to do this for work. I have to check all my emails. And it's like, oh, you're already starting the day with stress, you know, and all these things to do. And it's like, why not start the day to ground yourself, you know? So I would really recommend just trying them all out and exploring them, you know, and seeing what works, what works for you. Yeah. So, okay. Tell me about the your initial ideas that you had about meditation when you meditated for the first time oh what did you think I'm just like I am not Buddha I cannot sit here and like I don't know it kind of gave me more anxiety which I think a lot of people can relate with I just was sitting there and I was like wow like I really am judgmental I am like I all of my thoughts like I am not nice you know I'm not nice and I like I am just thinking way too much and I'm planning too much and it just is overwhelming. So yeah, breathwork has definitely helped me calm all the thoughts. You know, I say that it's an active meditation. When you start focusing on your breath, you stop focusing on all of your thoughts. And I've been doing this, uh, Sam Harris, he has an app that me and um, Mark do all the time, my boyfriend, and we love it. It's, it's, um, 
10 minutes of meditation and he really talks about, you know, stepping back and, and noticing your thoughts and not identifying with them, just being the awareness of your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And so once I started hearing that, I'm like, wow, that makes so much more sense. Like I can see all of my thoughts. I almost see it like as a, uh, like I'm at a movie theater and I'm looking at the, you know, the screen with all the roles, all the names and I'm just watching it all, but I'm not identifying with it. I'm like, that is not me. It is just the thoughts coming in and I can watch them and I can observe them or almost like clouds in the sky. You know, you're watching them and you look at them and then they float away. You know, it's not me. Yeah. And those emotions and those thoughts are really like, they're good information and they're good data as to how you're responding to things, but you're, you're right. They're not they are not you. So you have these thoughts of anxiety or feelings of anxiety does not mean you are an anxious person. Right. And that's yeah, finding like not judging them and not like attaching yourself to them and not like, yeah, knowing that it's not you. Like most of our thoughts are things that we've seen from media or things that have happened in the past. And they're just all boggled up into our consciousness. And if we just start to disassociate with that, I think it makes it a lot better to try to yeah get into that meditative state and I think breath work helps mm-hmm. put me in that state and that is perfect that's what I hear most of the time about meditation is that I like the idea of it I like the results that I you know maybe promised from sitting down to meditate but I don't want to be still or like you mentioned I feel worse mm-hmm. where it's like heightening all those feelings you don't want to have and there's the idea that meditation has to be in that singular posture, the seated posture and the tall spine, and um, it helps the energy flow through the body. But what also helps the energy flow even better, breath, movement, um, even washing dishes can be meditative. It's, mm-hmm. yeah. it's really the intention behind it. Right. Just being mindful and being, again, that awareness and being present and yeah. So why do you think, or what do you think makes people most resistant to trying breath work? I think people still don't know what it is. Like, what is breath work? Like I, I was saying earlier, you know, like I breathe all the time. What do you mean breath work? Like, what is that even, what is this woo woo hippie stuff that you're talking about? <laughs> um, and so that is why I'm kind of like, all right, this is very, I mean, it's been around for forever, but you know, this type of breathing is, is becoming like the new yoga. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I, I, the first time I did it, I was like, I really need to share this. You know, it's so powerful. It's so beautiful. You know, people have said it's, it's worth more than a hundred therapy sessions. Like if you really dive deep and you really have an intention for yourself and you really want to figure something out or let something go, you can bring that into your breath work and just discover something crazy and let your body just you know I have some friends that have felt tension in certain areas and I still don't know everything about it yet but I know that you know if you're spiritual I know some of my friends are the doctors and they're like the scientific side and then I have some friends that are spiritual and there's reasons for both so it is interesting to look up you know both sides and the explanation of both both sides um but you know doing breath work too can tell you something about your chakras, which, which, which ones are open, which ones are blocked. And yeah, it's all very interesting and almost a new age, but not really. 
Well, isn't it funny that like new age is really just very old age coming mm -hmm. back? Exactly. Yeah. I was going to say it is old, but it's like made into something that's more modern and more understandable. Right. And that's, do you think that when things get kind of transformed that way, that they lose anything? You know, like, you know, yoga coming to the West has definitely changed mm -hmm. what yoga is. We talked about that yoga has eight limbs mm -hmm. where traditionally Western practice yoga is just the asana, just the poses. So do you feel like maybe making things fit into a box takes away from them at all? That's a very good question. Um, I was thinking about that with holotropic breathing because this was discovered in the 60s and 70s with Dr. Stan Groff. And it's similar to the three-part breath that I teach, but I'm only doing it for 20, 30 minutes. And that holotropic breathing is known to be two to three hours. And that is wild. I mean, imagine trying to get somebody to do that for that long. Nobody wants to spend two mm -hmm. to three hours, which is sad. I mean, we spend four or five hours on Instagram and on Facebook, but we don't want to breathe, you know? So, I mean, I think the benefit of it, the way I see it is, you know, making it more accessible to our generation, to the, you know, to the busy person, the everyday person and making it more uh, friendly towards people that aren't even spiritual you know, opening it up to people that aren't really into meditation or, or aren't into yoga and to show them this modality, I think could be really, uh, really powerful. How can people work with you? Where can they find you? Yeah. yeah so Ravecation is my Instagram. And then my website is ravenspeechtherapy.com. You can find all my stuff on there. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks we'll for having me. Soon. Yeah. Yay. Good to see you. All right.